0: Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Ferguson, Chicago. As always, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at OnStrategy1. That's the number one. Uh, You can also see all of the creative work associated with our episodes and also listen to them if you want on our uh, website, OnStrategyShowcase.com. Today, we're going to hear about Standard Life's award-winning campaign in Ireland Standard Life uh, sells uh, retirement plans, and they developed an idea that was designed to sort of reinvigorate their investment advisors and customers. The investment advisors are sort of independent individuals and small firms around the country that carry and promote Standard Life's products. And for years, Standard Life's business, like most in the financial services industry, was uh, doing terrific. Returns were great. Markets were up. So there wasn't really felt to be a need to do advertising, particularly brand type advertising. Thank you. So that didn't happen for many years in advance of this campaign. But as the markets began to tame down, returns weren't as compelling as they used to be, and this was across the industry, there was this realization that in order for the investment advisors to still push the brand's products enthusiastically, that there might need to be an added layer of distinctiveness that was really ownable for standard life. So that led to a campaign that had two phases. The first was in 2018, and the second in 2020 and 2021, and In this episode, we focus on the second phase of the campaign, but we did talk about some of the components of the first phase that we kept in this conversation. So some of the things you might hear about relate to the to the first phase of the campaign, in particular issues relating to the market at that particular time. Anyway, it's a terrific conversation. And before we get to that though, I wanted to introduce what's going to be a new feature in each show going forward. Well, I shouldn't say every show or each show because uh, sometimes if there is not one of these, we won't have it in there, but it's it's called the unlock And the unlock uh, during the episode will highlight in advance the part of the conversation that's about to unlock the entire strategy. And we may talk to why it matters. I think it's worth sort of dwelling on these moments because these little moments, these unlock moments that expose the entire strategy or that unlock the entire strategy that connect the dots in our heads, we don't talk about them enough. And I think what we want to do in each episode is sort of dwell on it a little bit, uh, just for a minute or so, and to let people know what's about to be said and why it matters. So it's called The Unlock. It's going to start in this episode, and I think it'll be a fun thing to do going forward. So this is the story behind the end of career counselor with Chloe Hanratty, head of strategic planning at Publicis in Dublin, Ireland, and Sharon Smith, head of brand at the Phoenix Group, which owns Standard Life Insurance. Enjoy. This is sort of a classic b 2 b to c um dynamic here which makes it uh, makes it relevant for people across a bunch of categories this, this is not just about professional services this can be in product marketing anywhere you, where you're dealing with an intermediary who has an influence on an end decision you really have two major audiences you've got to be dealing with so i i love the way we'll be able to kind of demonstrate the insights and the unlocks from this case study can help people across a bunch of others. But first, uh, Sharon, let's start off with an explanation of what exactly is uh, Standard Life and what are the services that it offers?
1: Sure. Standard Life is a life-saving pensions and retirement business. Its roots date back to 1825 Scotland, where the founding directors of the business made a really brave decision that they didn't want to just look after the wealthy landowners and aristocrats of that time who re- who led uh, somewhat risky lifestyles. They wanted to serve the ordinary person, the farmer, the standard life. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. And coming all the way forward to today, or maybe back to 2017 when this case study began, uh, that was still very much part of the ethos of the company. It's all about trying to help the ordinary person on their journey through life and offering pensions, savings, and retirement products to those people.
0: So uh, tell me about tell me about the the way that it's structured. Like who is who is your target? Because you've got the private sector and you've got the public sector, public sector employees being people that work for governments. And then, and then you've got the private sector, maybe people that are working for private companies or people that are working, you know, are self-employed. Who Who's your primary target in Ireland?
1: Sure, Standard Life in Ireland is an intermediated business. So 97% of our business is done through independent financial advisors. And they're selling to generally self-employed people. So small and medium business owners who are looking to set up a pension arrangement for themselves to save for their future.
0: And when you look at when you look at these sort of intermediaries, these financial advisors, um, when you enter into an agreement with them for them to represent your product, is there an exclusive agreement in any way, or is it, or do they have access to any number of of uh, of product providers?
1: So the advisors that we would deal with with Standard Life have access to any provider on the market. And I suppose that's where the challenge has been for Standard Life, where this case study began, that Standard Life has been a very quiet brand. I mean, at the point of commencing the piece of work we're going to talk about today, the brand hadn't advertised at all in eight years. So it was very much seen as a niche brand playing to a very small audience through financial advisors. It had become known for the investment solutions that your pension is invested in uh, and we've had a few really successful years where investment performance had been really high in line with the markets uh, and oh, I suppose we we rode that that fair wind for for a period of time until we couldn't anymore until investment performance uh, changed and we began to realize that that's not something that's in our control so it's not really where we want our brand to be known, we needed to be known for something that we can control into the future.
0: So, was the reason that you had not advertised? Was it because, and this is very common, is that you you, you felt you had that sort of influencer already advocating strongly for you, so you didn't really need to create demand um, for the product. The advisors were already happily pushing it through for you. Is that why you weren't advertising? You didn't need to create a market for your product.
1: It's a great question. I mean. We were, as we still are, a very successful business. We were bringing in new revenue, new business every year. Our sales were growing, our market share was strong. Uh, it's, you know, with the hindsight of time, it's always easier to look back on these things. But as we took a step back and looked back, we saw that while our sales were increasing year on year, we weren't keeping pace with market share and we were eroding our market share over time.
0: I've worked in a number of different categories where there was a sort of distributor or intermediary. Um, and companies would use different tactics to curry favor with that advisor or that distributor or with that retailer in in this world how do you curry favor i mean is there incentives is there is there promotions is there support services how do you how do you build preference for one provider versus your competitors
1: we were never in a position to do something kind of flash and exciting to encourage favor Right. We went on very much an education route that if you think of a financial advisor, they're a small business owner. They are the MD of their company. They're the head of people function, the head of marketing, all those things. So Standard Life started a program many years before I was involved in the business, which is just fantastic to really help advisors build their business, mm. to give them the sort of training that, you know, I might be mm. lucky enough to get as part of a big organization.
0: Mm. What was the problem you were trying to solve?
1: So the... The lead strategy person in the business led this piece of work to really understand the core problems facing the business. So, as I mentioned, we were eroding market share. And Kalina Cameron identified with the executive team three major problems facing our business. And one of those problems was the lack of emotional connection that we had with our customers. So, very much a recognition that. We had a desire to have a close relationship with the customer, but the customer mightn't even know their product was with us. Their relationship is with their financial advisor. So they mightn't even be, they mightn't even have that product awareness.
0: I think a lot of companies would go, we got to do something more with the advisor. Maybe they're not trusting us as much anymore. Maybe our offering isn't as, as as special. You you could have made a decision just to focus on the advisor and get him or her to continue to push your product, but you you decided to go and make sure you built brand with the end customer, the end user, the the everyday man and woman. That that was a, that was a big decision for a brand who hasn't advertised in eight years.
1: It it was huge and. Exactly as you're saying, there were big options on the table that we had to discount. You know, there are about 2,000 financial advisors in Ireland. It's very difficult to, you know, they're they're not a branch of standard life there. They make their own decisions. It's very hard to get them singing off the same hymn sheet. Mm -hmm. We looked at another option of building emotional connection through the customer experience. But When we really analysed it and saw the amount of work that would need to go in to improve every channel and every interaction, how many years would it take for the customer to have positive experiences of the brand in order to have an emotional connection with us so there was this strong sense that that i had in working with publicists of course to say we could reach these customers ourselves directly um with a high reach and frequency to tell them a message now we were we were always doing that in support of the financial advisor we never want to cut them out of the process but if we could create a shortcut for customers to think about standard life when they're in a meeting with a financial advisor. Well, that's going to, I suppose, help the financial advisor and help us. It goes back to making standard life easy for the advisor to sell and easy for the consumer to buy.
0: What are some of the the planning activities that that, that you guys undertook? Was there already um, a lot of information, data, intelligence on that end user? Or did you guys have to, or, or what did you guys have to do in order to Better understand the market and the opportunities.
2: So the the strategy team at the time, so Adele, Michael, Ed, uh, you know, all, all taking this this problem with with Sharon and, and trying to look at it. We 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 didn't have a huge amount of resource in that. You know, we, we try to paint a picture, I suppose, of the, the the financial constraints that the that the brand was operating with. So there wasn't six months where we could go off and. Research the market and you know really deep dive into financial advisors or and um, you know conduct stakeholder interviews uh, throughout um, the business the way we'd like to. So instead, what what the team decided was to bring in the minds with all the knowledge from Standard Life. So you know every uh, team members from across the marketing team, sales team, the the Marshall. head of. Yet the commercial team, um, Ed, Michael and Adele ran, ran a workshop with um, Sharon and her colleagues, basically taking all the information we had in that room to go, okay, well, what do we know from a commercial perspective, from a cultural perspective, from a consumer point of view um, and from a competitor point of view. And really that workshop was a strategic sprint where we would have liked to have taken months to, to come up and fine tune and refine, but we didn't have it. Um, so that that was our our first step was going into that workshop and and figuring out what were the different angles from which we needed to consider this problem. Uh, the first point of view really was the commercial one. So what was a, a real kind of game changer in this conversation was realizing that the most profitable point um for a consumer was actually for standard life was actually a point of retirement. Do you want to speak to that, Sharon, in terms of the, the sense behind that?
1: Sure. Uh, If you think that uh, an individual builds up their pension pot over their working life, it starts small and it accumulates until the point of retirement. So your pension pot is likely to be the biggest it's ever been at At the day that you retire. And at the day that you retire, you'll take your lump sum from that. You will continue to invest it. But from that point on, you're accumulating. So you're taking money from your pension. So we had. We always knew that the the point of retirement product was our most popular product. It was where we had our best market share, but it was also our most profitable product from a commercial mm-hmm. point of view.
0: Now let me let me understand that a little bit more. So, so if if you are if you're a if you're a customer of Standard Life, let's say you start your retirement uh, investing. Let's say you started at thirty. So throughout your career, you're making your contributions. This is this is if you're a self-employed person, because that that's your primary target audience. Um is it mandatory at retirement age, which I don't know if it's 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 I think it's formally like 65 here. Is it in Ireland, do you automatically get a payout that you at that age of retirement that that you then have to reinvest in a different investment vehicle for 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 the uh, for your retirement years, or am I picking that up wrong?
1: Um, I mean, I am a financial advisor, Fergus, but please don't take this as financial advice. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> so yeah, you build up your pension spot, and then depending on the product you take, there are limits as to what ages you are allowed to retire between. So it might be from 50 up to 75 please check your facts with your local financial advisor. Um, so when you retire, you then have your lump sum and you broadly have two choices. You're either going to maintain control of your investment decisions. So you're going to put it into a product where you make the investment choice. Hopefully your money continues to grow and you draw down as much as you want from that, but it's your responsibility for that money to last you for the rest of your life. Or you can go the route of buying an annuity where you take that lump sum, you give it to a company like Standard Life, and we will say, well, for that amount of money, we will guarantee to pay you a paycheck every month for the rest of your life. But when you die, that that paycheck dies with you. Um, people also have the option at point of retirement of taking a tax-free lump sum. You don't have to take it. Most people do.
0: So when we talk about a retirement, because this goes to one of the, the things that I wasn't um, that I wasn't sure about when I was reviewing the campaign was that um, most of the people who feature in the second phase of this campaign are people who are at retirement age. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't you be marketing? Shouldn't you be marketing to somebody who's maybe 30 and starting out and making a decision of which investment firm they're going to be with for their working lives uh, but you guys are focused on the the tail end of that is is it because you're trying to sell the product uh, are you trying to target somebody who has now gotten their lump sum and is now wondering what to do with that lump sum
1: i think there is perhaps an ideal world where you can do everything and you can market at all different audiences for all different products you have to pick somewhere where you can play And this was a really difficult decision for our executive team because, you know, our executive team are all people who are, you know, maybe 20 years from retirement. And to make a decision that, no, we're not going to advertise to people like us. We're going to advertise to people that are approaching retirement. That was a really difficult decision uh, culturally, initially. But the commercials really make sense. People that are close to retirement have a large pot of money. They don't have to have saved their pension with Standard Life to retire with Standard Life. Yes. And that's the aim. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that successfully for a number of years, build confidence in the marketing process within the organization, build our marketing budgets, in time we can advertise to more people, more products.
2: So that's, that's kind of where we started i suppose when when that when the brief came in and we kicked the team that were here del michael and ed kicked off that workshop with with sharon and her team it was all about okay where are we making sacrifices where are we making decisions and that was the first one was we 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 don't have the resources to target everyone we don't have the resources to position as a brand for everyone so what can we do and with that commercial knowledge that will actually you know, at the point of retirement, that when our customer was most profitable, they were most profitable the day they retire. That fed into our thinking that, you know, retirement positioning would be more fine tuned, would focus our energy, and we coupled the commercial reality with the competitor reality, which was, you know, they had ninety nine percent share of voice. Just two of them had ninety nine percent share of voice, but their what would have been their strength was actually that they were portfolio brands. So they offered much more than pensions and retirements and investment options. You know, they were brands that you could get your pet insurance with, where you could get your home insurance or insure your car with. So they they were scary in a sense that they 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 eclipsed us in terms of the connection points they could make with consumers, whereas ours was quite narrow. So we well, they were they happened.
0: were kind of generalists, and you guys could were
2: generalists be specialists. And Yeah. So we decided to lean into that and say, okay, well, the the one thing they can't do is position as as retirement expert. Then when we considered the the cultural side of things, you know, from a, a pensions and retirement point of view, the conversation around retirement was so negative, was a really low interest category. People didn't want to talk about it. And this was hurting the financial advisors because if the financial advisors can't spark a conversation with their clients around retirement without the client you know, squirming in their chair and, and being uncomfortable because they didn't want to talk about it, the financial advisors can't sell our products.
0: So I've mentioned before... Um on this show, that I'm a a huge fan of the work that Droga5 did here in the U.S. uh, for Prudential. And Prudential is an investment firm. And I I understand that you guys are familiar with the Day One campaign. Yes. Tell us, it, it seems to me that... You were both sort of going for a similar space, but going for it in different ways. But it um I'm wondering if you're familiar with day one and, and what you guys what do you, what do you what did you think about that? Was that in any way an inspiration for what you considered?
1: Day one has been an inspiration for years, and I feel like long before Second Life was even a twinkle in our eye.
0: It's brilliant work.
1: Brilliant work and telling beautiful real life stories. It's kind of hard to make decisions by yourself all of a sudden when you've been making them with somebody else for 35 years. I
2: don't know how much money I need, but I know that whatever I have, that's what I'm
0: gonna live within. Time went by really fast. It goes by too, too fast. My brother and sister both had a heart disease situation at 43. And so I don't know how long I'm going to be around. Things really become really crystallized. You know, you start
1: thinking about what's really important here. So it's definitely an inspiration. But the challenge that we have is that when we're dealing with self-employed people, it's very difficult to pinpoint day one. You know, when does your retirement really start? If you're self-employed, you might... Reduced to a four day week. You might start to step back from the business and pass it on to somebody else, but remain on as a consultant. Uh, so we we're definitely inspired by the real life stories, but we needed to do something that talked about this next phase of your life mm-hmm. rather than a day to plan for.
2: Yeah. So I think what what really connects them and where the inspiration can really be drawn is in that strategy around reframing. You know, which which they do so well and and do it through um real life stories also i i think we both probably have different objectives and therefore had to come at it slightly differently
0: so sharon for you do you i'm I, I hate to put you on the spot for a statistic but do you have a general sense of of the, the the percentage of people who are retiring who don't know what they're going to do when they retire don't know what they're Purpose, their interests, their potential second careers are going to be?
1: Uh, I love being hit with a, a stack question. I can tell you <laughs> from, our, from our research, we can see that 66% of people feel completely unprepared for retirement. 60% of people who are approaching retirement have never had a conversation with their friends and family about what life will be like in retirement. So people are scared that they haven't saved enough, 47%, forget. Um, (laughs) our resident statistician.
0: I always love this this question. Is that 47% of the 60%?
1: No, that's 47% of people who are approaching retirement are scared they're not saving enough money. This became a really interesting talking point with financial advisors when we were able to share this insight with them so that they knew the importance of the role they played in someone's life. Yes, you are that person's financial advisor. But they might see you as more than that. Mm-hmm. They might see you as their closest confidant.
0: Or they might need you to be more than that.
1: 100%. You might be the, as a financial advisor, you hold such a position of responsibility in that person's life. You might be the only person that they will talk to. It might be very difficult to talk to your partner about retirement. I mean, we we see that as a really common problem in retirement when we go and do the
0: research. So let's let's talk about the idea. Tell us about what it is where it came from.
2: We had to come at this in a, in a really fresh way. And, you know, myself and Cormac and Rachel were, were discussing it one day. And my husband came home from work having received a, a talk from a consultant of old age psychology. And he kind of really breezily walked into the room and said, oh, you you know, did you know we're going to be in retirement for a third of our lives I said, no, um, I do now, thank you. And he said, Yeah, it was, you know, really interesting the way um this lady was talking about it. She was talking about how over your life cycle you're emotionally primed. these big life milestones so you go to preschool to learn how to sit at a desk in school to learn how to have homework before college to learn how to sit an exam you do interview prep for jobs you have mentors you read books about having children or you watch tv shows about how to pick the wedding dress nothing on retirement despite the fact that it's going to be a third of your life it's not culturally in your, on your radar at all. Um, so we're not planning for retirement like we do for these other milestones. So we were having that conversation and, and Peter and Lucas and Ronan, you know, we're, t- were thinking about it, the, the creative team that we're working and said, well, it's a little bit like um, school and college. You have a career guidance counselor and isn't it crazy that you have that support the whole way through, but when you retire, there's nothing um, and you're kind of left on your own. and wouldn't it be cool if we could create a position in standard life and make it someone's job to help people retire to be their end of career guidance counselor? So that's where where the idea came from.
0: So the, the idea being that if you're in high school or secondary school or you're in college, there's a counselor who helps you get your career started and they're a career counselor. But there's nobody that helps you at the end of it, your end of career counsellor, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, then the team said, well, what if we made this person someone whose job it was in their career to be a, a school guidance counsellor? What if we were to find a retired school guidance counsellor and repurpose their skills to help people in retirement to be their end of career guidance counsellor?
0: When you heard about this, Sharon, what, what were your initial thoughts?
1: It's one of those ideas. That Sharon has her hands on her face I right do. now. <laughs>
0: because, Is that good? <laughs>
1: go I don't know. I'm nervous. <laughs> Talking about it now, it's the most obvious thing in the world. But that's what all the best ideas are, right? It came, the, the I mean, remembering as well, this was during COVID. So we're on our Zoom call as the team of publicists are presenting this idea. And to me, it just felt... Like, yes, let's, let's move ahead with this. I mean, I think it took a minute for the penny to drop was we're actually going to hire somebody. We're actually going to create a job description and we're going to go about recruiting an end of career guidance counselor to come and work in the team and report to one of us.
0: So it solves, it solves a number of problems as I see it. Number one, it, it solves a problem for the advisor because the advisor isn't really equipped Are qualified to be giving advice outside of the financial realm. But this gives gives him or her another tool that they can use to begin to have that conversation with their customer. From the customer's point of view, it allows the customer uh, access to somebody they don't seem to have access to in their circle of influence and their circle of friends because they're, they're not even thinking about it. And then lastly, it seems like it's a great play for what you guys talked about earlier, which is that you're specialist versus generalist. This isn't something Zurich was doing. It isn't something Irish Life was doing. It's only something a specialist would do. So it was kind of hitting on all of those um, perspectives that, that were challenges.
2: We're incredibly proud of it. I think one of the one of the asks of the brief, you know, when, when we were discussing it through with the team was, we also have to consider the fact that we don't have the, the same media budgets to contend with um and we don't have the same brand awareness so we had to we had to find an idea that would punch above its weight that would culturally land a punch and leave a mark on on the 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 narrative around retirement so that we could see greater earned porg, you know greater kind of conversations happening around it um and I think that's one of the reasons why it stood out in that presentation that day because we did have other ideas, but what we got really excited about was, well, actually, this becomes a vehicle not just to further connect with consumers and end and customers, and further connect with financial advisors, but actually to start changing the conversation na- nationally around retirement. You know, this this person, this end of career guidance counselor, can be our Spokesperson for how we should be talking about retirement and and how we should be thinking about it and and changing that narrative. So that's what really really excited us as well.
0: And then, how did you find somebody that would have the credibility?
2: <laughs> well, the the funny thing is this: the first iteration of the idea was, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna take the budget and we're gonna make it a recruitment campaign. So we were actually going to a, a little bit uh, leaning on inspiration from the best job in the world that that can winning campaign from from years ago. You know, let's go out and advertise for this job um, and and make the the story about that. And then we st- stumbled upon Brian, who was so perfect that yeah. it, it just didn't make sense to to waste
1: campaign resources trying to recruit someone when he'd kind of been there all way. Do you want to talk to how we found Brian? So in the presentation that publicists presented to Standard Life of the idea of end-of-career guidance counsellor, they had this beautiful photograph of a very refined-looking man in a gown, shaking hands with the profs of some university receiving a fellowship with this idea of end-of-career guidance counsellor. And we discussed the recruitment campaign and we thought about the practicalities. And then there was just that funny light bulb moment of what if we ask that guy for a <laughs> photograph?
0: Oh you you already had a photograph of Brian in the presentation?
2: Only because he was an existing school guidance counselor Ooh. and had been in the media. He had a profile. He was he was well known for being a guidance counselor. So when you google guidance counselor Ireland Brian came up, and that was the photo used in the presentation that the Sharon's referring to.
1: And and he, he'd recently retired. Yeah, so so Brian is a former president of the Council of Guidance Counselors in Ireland. Uh, he was a guidance counselor himself for 43 years in the school that he went to himself. He had recently retired, and he's also a columnist on education with the Irish Times. So here was a man that was. Completely credible in terms of his career background, retired himself so could relate to the people we were talking to, and full immediate round, <laughs> ready to be rolled out to the nation.
2: So the recruitment campaign went out the window, and we went after Brian, Hookline and Thinker.
0: I worked with students for 43 years of my life. I was their guidance counselor. It was incredibly fulfilling. Helping each of them figure out what they were interested in, what their strengths were. Helping them discover a career path and their purpose in life. But what about those at the other end of their career? Not everyone knows what they want to do when they retire. That's my job. Now here's what's interesting here for, for the listener. Uh, Brian Mooney was my teacher in school, in high school, or what we call it secondary school in Dublin. Um, He was my commerce teacher, which is kind of like business here in the U S and um i was I've mentioned it many times on on this show. I was a terrible student. I was a student who was rarely in class. Uh, I was a student who didn't really connect with things academic and the structure of academia. But I admired Brian Mooney. Brian Mooney, I think, made a huge impact on my school experience. It was um he had a certain style about him. He had a certain way where many teachers were preachers. He was somebody who could engage with students. He was fun. He made the content fun. And so um, when I saw when I saw the campaign because I've been aware of, of Brian's progress over the years, and I've got and in, in times when I go back to Ireland and I visit the school, I've often connected with Brian. But he he really was a very unique teacher. He really did make a difference in a lot of of lives of, of kids coming out of, uh, at that time, which was was high school. So um, thank you, Brian, for what you did for me. So I was excited to see Brian in this campaign. So there's my little personal aspect on Brian Mooney.
1: Well, he remembers you fondly, fondly, and he really is an incredible man. I rang him on the way in here to the office to meet Chloe, and he couldn't talk to me because he's meeting a bunch of Ukrainian refugee women today to talk to them about their education opportunities in Ireland next year. He's just an incredible man and he's uh he's very giving with his time and when Adele from Publicis rang Brian to have this initial conversation you know this we thought this was a big sell here was a man who had recently retired from an institution that is such a part of the fabric of his life and we were asking him to come and work for me in Standard Life in Dublin uh, and when Adele pitched this to him his response was I would do this job for free he has such a genuine uh, desire to to help people,
2: and we told him to to not say that again in, in
0: front of. Him. <laughs> yeah, don't say that.
2: <laughs> His second offer was a bit more yeah. meaty. Keep, keep that quiet there, Brian.
0: <laughs> so let let's talk about the, the the campaign that comes out of this. So you have you have this you have this personality. He's he has credibility. What do you do with him?
1: So we started by creating a video campaign that we that we pushed out to let the Irish public know and financial advisors know that this was a service that we had available. We then created a video content series where Brian did interviews with people that were approaching our in retirement to talk about key moments in retirement that make a difference between having a good and bad retirement. And we published those onto a retirement hub along with a second life questionnaire, which is a really simple tool that people can use to have the conversation at home about lo- what life will be like in retirement. We made sure that financial advisors had access to all of this information. We trained, Brian trained up financial advisors in, in how to use these tools. Brian is available for customer webinars. We also then took a PR approach. So we sponsored a regular meet the experts slot on a national radio station in Ireland where Brian then one Monday a month is the the expert on retirement who comes in and helps people with their situations and what we find out of that is huge response from advisors huge response from customers and consumers we have people all over the country that write into Brian and ask for for guidance in their situation Um, and it's obviously been hugely commercially successful as well
0: Now, it would be fair to feel that the unlock came much earlier in this conversation at the point when Chloe's husband shared his experience with the presentation he had heard at work. But for me, the real unlock that determined the success of this campaign comes now when we discussed the idea that it was realized that a one-to-many model with Brian versus a one-to-one was the way this strategy should be executed because the chance of the one-to-one model falling apart and therefore completely undermining the success of the campaign was very high. So here's what I feel is the unlock. So one of the things that i um I talked to Chloe about uh, previously was the idea that I loved the idea, and I was just sort of curious how does one man serve so many people um, and, and i and I think partially you're answering this by saying that you as a customer, you experience Brian and his advice. It's not so much one to one; it's one to many. So you can you can experience it virtually. Um, is that going to be the way it will always be, or is there plans for this to become a, a, a less of a marketing tool and more of a, a legitimate department within Standard Life with more than one person?
2: Yes, there were there were one one to one consultations when we initially launched. I think what became clear was that there was such demand that actually creating events through which financial advisors could bring their clients was more useful it was a better use of of the time and um, that we had with Brian the question now is how do we bring the service to to more and more of um of standard Life's customers so the standard life are, are currently exploring how to expand that team who are the other end of career guidance counselors that we haven't found yet and and can we bring them on board to to help bring more of this message to to people and those interactions
1: The one to many approach works very well in that, uh, you know, a a five minute video on an interview on somebody's experience of retirement is of interest only to the, I don't know, 5%, 1% of people that are in the market for retirement at this moment in time. But when you are in the market for retirement, what we find is that people are craving information. And they are, you know, our, our view rates of those video interviews are extremely high because people are craving this information. And, and it's not widely available. That was the problem to begin with.
0: Yeah, and they're all and they're also, they're also, I would think they it's not a yeah, it's information for sure, but I wonder if it's also connection. It's like-minded connection. And I wonder whether the the community itself becomes the source of information outside of Brian. Is that People who have successfully gone through it under the advice of Brian or who have listened to his content, it almost seems like there could be a connection of like-minded, life experienced people who can ultimately help each other and extend it in that way.
2: Absolutely. I think I think people who've interacted with Brian have gone on to become
0: advocates for it's like teach the teacher kind of a thing, or exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: In terms of results, is there anything that you can share with us?
1: From a commercial point of view, it was really important for us that in doing this campaign, we knew we were doing the right thing, but I need to be able to show back to the executive team in Standard Life that they've spent their money well. A really important part process for me was a day where the team in Standard Life and publicists got together with our research consultant, Martha Fanning. And we had very long detailed debate to say, how are we going to show the effectiveness of this? Before it ever went live, we had this concept. Mm -hmm. We think this is going to have an effect on people. How are we going to this someday down the line. So it was really important for us to be able to measure the effectiveness of this campaign. And so we worked with Martha Fanning to do research before the campaign went live and then after it had completed. So when we went out and did a quant study before the campaign went live, we found that 66% of people felt unprepared for retirement. We then went back after the campaign had completed and of the people that had been exposed to the campaign, who were aware of the campaign, 66% of those people now viewed retirement as a new beginning. And 25% of those people felt now that they would seek out the expertise of a guidance counsellor to help them with retirement, you know, a position that didn't exist before the campaign went live.
2: What was really important about this work was we did see an increase
1: in new policies.
2: We did see an increase in new revenue. So from a commercial perspective, it was a success. And I suppose really importantly, we have uh, verbatims from financial advisors who you know work on behalf of, of, of Standard Life in, in having those conversations with, with customers. And what they fed back was that Second Life and End of Career Guidance Counselor had revolutionized how they talked to their clients about retirement. And that was key for us because, as we know, our our number one audience here is financial advisors. And the fact that they felt that we had given them a new way in in adding value to their client relationships was was really, really valuable. And we see that come through in terms of those new policies and the new revenue figures um, that accompanied this campaign.
0: It is Chloe Hanratty, Head of Strategic Planning at Publicis in Dublin, Ireland, and Sharon Smith, Head of Brand and Partnerships at the uh, Phoenix Group, which owns uh, Standard Life, and you're both in Dublin, Ireland. Um, thank you both. This is a great story, and uh, I think there's so much to learn on so many levels. I think people are going to really enjoy it. Thank you for coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much. It's It's an honor.
1: Yeah, it's been an absolute honor. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us.
0: And we'll see everybody on the next episode.